0: Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we take a quick look at recent news and how it might or might not affect your upcoming trips in 2019. If we missed anything, we'd love to hear from you at DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks to all of you who have recommended our Facebook page or liked it. We really appreciate that. You can also find old episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really love it if you could leave us a positive review. Special shout out and thank you to Stickgam and L. Jordan and Company for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As Joe Flies.
1: And I'm Leslie from Trips With Tykes.
0: And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we've noticed that, you know, there's been a lot of news coming out. And we were thinking that we might just handle the news, maybe, you know, we're not going to be a weekly news outlet or anything like that. But, you know, if you're planning trips in the next three to six months, we thought there were a couple of news items that are probably important to you could really help you plan your trip. So we're thinking about touching on the big news at Disney World, uh, maybe once a quarter. And so uh, I really like. Tonight's show slow slow jamming the news, but this is Disney Deciphered. So we're going to try to fast jam the news. How's that sound, Leslie?
1: Sounds good. Under 15 minutes, we can do it, right?
0: No way. But no way. 20. Let's go for
1: 20. <laughs> okay, fair enough.
0: All right. So let's start with the big news. Uh, about a week or two ago, Disney World announced their ticket price increases. Um, and, you know, the biggest, and so kind of the best way to analyze or think about the ticket price cre- increases and Um, You know, I was looking at some of touring Plan stuff on it. And it makes sense is to just look at the one day ticket price increases because, you know, there are just so many options and everything's calendar based. And it's just best to if you look at the one day, you know, everything kind of goes off of that. And so, Leslie, the big news was over the Christmas holidays, December 25th to December 31st, one day tickets are how much do they cost now? A one day ticket.
1: Yeah. One day tickets are one hundred and fifty nine dollars now.
0: Yeah. And that is $30 $30 more than they were from the last ticket increase. I think that's like 23% or something like that. We already did not recommend going to Walt Disney World around the Christmas holidays. But now, you know, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, not to mention the crushing crowds. Although I don't know, I'm not sure 159 is gonna be enough to turn away the crowds. What do you think, Leslie? Leslie?
1: Yeah, Disney clearly is experimenting with where that pain point is for people. And I'm not sure $30 is going to like do everybody in, but it'll do some people in. The question is, is it going to be enough to take it from a 10 crowd level to a nine or an eight? Probably not because kids are off of school when kids are off of school. But, you know, I have to say like this is always controversial when Disney does this, but I'm not fully like against this. I think the goal should be to try to distribute crowds more evenly and if there's a week that's just always a super pain point, I mean, I think it's okay for Disney to charge supply and demand. And as a guest, I, you know, I would prefer the crowd levels to be lower during my vacation, even if it costs me more.
0: I did see an article on easywdw.com that said that it does look like the January and February crowds have gone up. And so, you know, there is some evidence that Disney is kind of messing around with the prices may be affecting crowds. I think the really interesting thing and, um, Len Testa from Touring Plans and Jim Hill, they kind of analyzed the ticket price increases. And I think the interesting thing they found is that, you know, there are those, you can still buy the kind of go any day you want tickets, um, but there's a premium for that. But those tickets now cost even more than if you were to go on Christmas Day. So it really seems like Disney is placing a premium on your flexibility. And I think that's because they want to know when you're going, what park you're going and I think they're going to adjust staffing accordingly.
1: Yeah, I heard, I heard that podcast as well. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I totally agree. And I mean, ultimately, if it results in a better user, you know, gas experience, then I think that's probably good for everybody long term. And nobody likes it when crowd levels are out of control. And Disney's only running certain rides at you know, half capacity because they don't have staffing for it. That's that's like the worst of, of both worlds.
0: I agree. And so, you know, this price change happened, I think it And traditionally, has happened in February, but they delayed it a little this year, and it happened in March. I would say I feel pretty confident. I don't know what you think, Leslie, but I feel pretty comfortable saying that you're not going to see a price increase until definitely after Star Wars Galaxy Edge opens on August 29th, and probably not until maybe October. I think this is the Star Wars Galaxy Edge price increase, and you're not going to see another one until after August 29th when it opens
1: yeah, I agree with that. this This is they were clearly waiting for this announcement until they figured out when they were going to open open Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. and Now that's why the Christmas prices are that much higher because, uh, (laughs) but you know, I mean, I guess the opening date of Rise of the Resistance is a question mark right now. And if they have more clarity on that, I mean, I suppose it's possible if it opens like right before Thanksgiving that maybe they bump those prices even more, but I don't know. I don't know. It it depends on a lot of factors at this stage.
0: Who knows? To be honest, when they moved to this um, variable pricing, I thought they'd be adjusting prices like all the time and so that we just get numb to it. Now, I guess we're only 90% of the way numb to it. Um, But you know, these price changes happen, you can essentially set your clock to them. So you know, if you plan to go anytime between now and August, for sure, I don't think you need to rush to go out and buy your tickets. Um, And even after August, you might have some time. Speaking of Star Wars Galaxy Edge, have you heard any updates on how things are going?
1: Well, of course, we got all of the details for the opening days on both the West Coast and the East Coast, and we did a special episode, if those of you haven't listened to it yet, we did a bonus episode with all of the news about how they're going to handle crowds and how there's going to be no fast pass at Walt Disney World, and clearly... That may change, of course, as they experiment with what's going to happen first at Disneyland when that opens on May 31st. I think there will be something in place. That is my prediction. There will be something in place to prevent the nine-hour queue outside the entrance to Star Wars Galaxy Dead, if at all possible.
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm being foolishly optimistic, but I actually think it's going to be okay. I actually personally booked a midweek October hotel stay just in case I uh, manage to get out there. But I think with early morning magic hours, and if you're staying on site, especially in the fall, it's not going to be huge crowds. I also think, I don't know, what have you been hearing, people you know, like Disney people you know, Leslie? I do think the fact that they're opening it in phases is going to nullify the crowds a little bit.
1: I totally agree. I think that's going to take some of the wind out of people's sails, especially if, if we know by opening date on August 29th that... Rise of the Resistance is going to have an opening date. Like, if, we, if they announce that prior, that will definitely damper some of the crowds. I mean, I still think crowds are going to be huge. They just aren't going to be next level like I was scared of, I think, because of only one ride being open. I also think that the fact that Disneyland is opening first is going to put a little bit of a damper on the Disney World crowds because those of us like me who cover Disney news are going to have gone to the one on the West Coast and Won't feel quite the need to rush on opening day to the one at Disney World.
0: Yeah, especially if it's only one ride, like it's only phase one. It's not like you're even seeing the complete uh, package. So I totally see that. Uh, The other thing I would say is I do think if you're not interested in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, we had said that if you had a trip planned, like uh, someone I know has a trip planned for the week of August 29th, then you uh, are probably going to deal with higher crowds than you are expecting. But I think for the most part, most people who are going to Disney World during September, October, are going to be checking out Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So this is kind of your chance. I think the other parks, they may be a little bit more crowded than normal, but uh, it's not going to be too bad. That, that would be my guess and my prediction.
1: Yeah, that's my guess, too. I mean, I I think there will be some people who just kind of come in for a quick visit just to get into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And, of course, there will be people who have their week-long vacation planned who, you know, would have been there anyway, Star Wars or not. So I don't think the crowd levels are going to be that much worse in the other parks because of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Because people – I mean, ultimately, it's still school time, and that affects people's flexibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's literally my plan. Like, I plan to – if I can pull it off, fly in – a Tuesday night, check out Star Wars Galaxy's Edge all day Wednesday, fly home Wednesday night or yeah, actually probably fly home Wednesday night. We'll see. I I did book it for the week that I know you're going to be there on the weekend. So who knows if I uh, extend my trip a little bit.
1: All right. We're slowly ripping you into that to that vacation, Joe.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's my wife that you need to convince.
1: <laughs> and I may bring my kids. I haven't decided yet. I'm going to see how bad the crowds are at Disneyland for opening And I might just bring my kids on that October trip. So we we shall see.
0: That'll be a further temptation.
1: Um, Yeah. Our daughters get along.
0: (laughs) All right. So if you do plan to go in the fall, uh, I think we had talked about another episode how weird it was that Disney started releasing Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party tickets in January. I think we kind of know why, because they had a big announcement that this year's Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party is going to have a new fireworks show. So goodbye to hollow wishes and also three new ride overlays. What do you think about this news? Leslie?
1: I'm excited. I've never, of course, never been to a Mickey's not so scary Halloween party and, and planning to for the first time, in October. So apparently I'm going to get a better than ever uh overlay for everything which will be exciting. But but yeah, I mean these these fireworks shows they do need updates and it sounds like the the new one is going to utilize some of the, you know, really good projection technology that Disney has been using in recent years. So going to be a refresh i'm not sure about the ride overlay for the people mover that one was interesting to me (laughs) so i mean i hope it's a really cool awesome overlay and not just like a kind of lame put up a few decorations overlay but you and i of course on our tomorrowland episode talked about how much we are people mover fans so that's intriguing
0: yeah uh to be fair the ride overlays may sound like exciting news, kind of out loud, but from what I heard, Space Mountain and Pirates were a little bit of a bust last year. This year, it's going to be People Mover, Monsters, <laughs> Inc. Laugh Floor, Leslie and My Favorite, ride that uh, attraction that we have never been to ever, and then uh, also Big Thunder Mountain. So I, I I feel like I'm cautiously optimistic about what they could do with the People Mover. I mean, maybe they have some ghosts floating around in the Space Mountain section. Who knows?
1: Yeah, no, I think there's some possibilities for like things that are not too scary, but that are in the dark. But yeah, maybe, hopefully Disney learned its lesson from the tepid reviews of last year's overlays, and they're going to step it up a notch. Disney clearly knows how to do amazing ride overlays, like the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay on the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland is always amazing. So, you know, the capacity is there. They just have to invest the time and money.
0: Agreed. I will say that um, Hollow Wishes did have that addition of where they kind of shut down roads around the magic kingdom and they fired like extra fireworks from the side so like if you're watching from the poly beach you see this huge landscape view of fireworks i do hope that they retain some of that you know i am happy i love happily ever after and i don't mind that it replaced wishes and hollow wishes did seem kind of like a little old from when i saw it from the poly beach but i think if you lose kind of that massive basically filled up my entire phone screen with fireworks from all the way across the seven seas lagoon. So, you know, I hope they keep that there uh, for the new show.
1: Hopefully. And hopefully we'll be there to see it
0: in terms of things changing. We do not know the dates for these, but being Epcot geeks, I'm just, I guess, too geeked out about it. So I wanted to talk about it. There's going to be, they just announced that there's going to be a new show in the land pavilion called awesome planet. Um, And so, you know, I think it's to me, my, my, they make it sound like it's going to be like a planet earth type experience. And I love that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty excited um, for that to debut uh, in the land at some time to be announced. They're also, you know, I think this is a good time to update that they do have a ton planned for the France pavilion overall. You know, of course they're adding the Ratatouille ride, but then there's going to be a beauty and the beast sing along. They announced that they're going to, add like a crepery. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on at Epcot. They look like they're really kind of building into this renovation, which I don't think we talked about at all. Leslie, did you see that they are uh, getting rid of the tombstones in the entrance?
1: Oh, I did. I did. We did not talk about that at all. This is Epcot 2.0 um, in every sense of the word. And and I'm glad to hear they're at least adding a sort of a geeky screen show that is in keeping with the original mission of educating. <laughs> that's, that's good that that's not entirely being like cast aside in favor of you know awesome guardians of the galaxy roller coasters but uh yeah so there's going to be a very different epcot coming here in advance of the the 50th
0: to me it's exciting like i mean i love old epcot but i just unfortunately i don't know if you want to blame society or whatever in air quotes but you know the reality is old epcot is not going to appeal to new fans and disney is going to want new fans so I do appreciate that they're trying to kind of split the difference and leave in some of those old elements. This new awesome planet show in the land pavilion, it's like filmed by like industrial light and magic, like the Star Wars guys or the people who help with the effects with Star Wars and stuff like that. So I think it should be pretty cool. And, you know, they're also updating. We might as well get it all out here. They're updating the Circle Vision film for China and they're updating the film at the Canada Pavilion. So I guess it's like, (laughs) I guess it's like, uh, you know, Airlines, when they build planes, they plant a few trees to uh, offset the carbon emissions. So, as Epcot becomes more modern, they are adding in these old school type educational shows to offset that.
1: That's right. They're throwing us a bone. This is for Leslie and Joe. (laughs) So, we can take our kids and make them geek out too and learn something while they're on their Disney vacation.
0: Yeah. I think you mean, if it was anything like my childhood, take our kids and have the kids just complain that for some reason, the China Pavilion Circle Vision show does not have seats. Still, <laughs> still cannot get over that fact from my childhood. You know, we had to go, right? To, you know, rep the homeland. But uh, I'm like, come on, we don't even have seats here. We're just leaning on these bars. That's so. right. <laughs> and Martin Short is going to be in the new O Canada show as he was in the old one. So I'm sure uh, Canadians are super excited about that.
1: Hey, Americans are excited, super excited about that. Come on.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So let's just hit up A couple things really quickly. Chef Jose Andres opened Haleo in Disney Springs. Uh, It's a tapas bar, a Spanish tapas bar. Um, You know, you may know the chef. He's been in the news recently. People have been very excited about that. And it's been getting good reviews so far. So, you know, I'm looking forward to checking it out. And, um, you know, I do not want to talk about how much time I spent to make sure I pronounce that right. But it is pronounced Haleo Leslie, not Jaleo or anything like that.
1: Well, you know, it is Central Florida, so we'll see what name rises to the top. I'm from Alabama, the land of Lafayette instead of Lafayette. (laughs) I, (laughs) I,
0: I kept looking until I found a podcast where Chef Jose Andres himself pronounced Haleo. So I feel fairly confident in my pronunciation.
1: Good, good. Well done. Well done. Um yeah, no, I'm excited about that. I don't want to spend enough time at Disney Springs, but I do love uh Spanish chapas and paella and all that good stuff, so I will definitely try that restaurant out as soon as I can.
0: Yep. And another quick announcement for you animal kingdom nerds. Re- Rafiki's Planet Watch is going to reopen. They announced that. They didn't announce when. Um that is the area where you have to take a train to. In my mind, it's the siphon guests away from the main park area, but over there, you know, there are some uh, walks that you can take. And you can also, if you're lucky, get to witness uh, some veterinarians working on the animals, um, but that will reopen. And my guess is they're going to add some uh, IP in there, but I, that's just a guess on my part.
1: That makes sense. And I know a lot of people were scared that was going to be on the chopping block when it was announced it was closing for a while, but that's exciting to kind of, I mean, again, it's in keeping with the original mission of Animal Kingdom to to educate and there's a little bit of a geek out factor there in that in that section, and I'm I'm happy that that's still surviving.
0: Those are uh, animal kingdoms carbon emission offsetting trees,
1: <laughs> literally.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, they are <laughs> literally uh, offsetting trees. And one last thing, Leslie. You know, this is not official news, and like I don't think we are a podcast that is about speculating on rumors, but since we are doing this news episode, please indulge me, I would like to speculate on this rumor that I heard on the dis unplugged last week. So the rumor is that by the end of the year, Disney will start Disney World will start charging for fast passes in some way, shape or form. What do you think about that, Leslie, especially, you know, coming from Disneyland, where they already have max pass? Do you think with Star Wars Galaxy Edge coming along that, you know, Disney might try to sneak that in there?
1: yikes wow that that would be a huge change i mean i, I i'm skeptical i still think disney's going to go the way of you know these early morning magic events or these these late night events where you pay you know a separate ticket to get that kind of access i'm skeptical so what do you what do, what's your take
0: yeah i'm not sure you know the Disney Unplug crew was they seemed pretty like confident that it was going to happen i don't know if i feel that confident although i would say listening to them they didn't make me worried about it, but you know, we've already seen that, you know, if you have club room access, you can pay for extra fast passes. So I'm wondering if there's some kind of hybrid where like, it's more like the people who know to uh, let's, let's, let me put it this way. Like if you're an average Disney guest, you kind of don't even know that you can play, pay for a club room at a deluxe hotel. Um, That's just not something that even enters into your mind, but those who now pay for club rooms also know that they can pay for extra three kind of like anytime use fast passes. Um, And so I'm thinking that it might be, they might introduce pay for fast pass, but it is like kind of marketed towards, you know, the big spenders at Disney. Um, You know, I think I could see that happening.
1: Yeah, I can see that too. That, that would go over certainly a little bit easier for the average Disney family. If what you don't know won't hurt you, but yeah, I mean, that would be a big shift to after, you know, a decade of not charging. And, it, you know, of course, at Disneyland, it, pass passes are still free, but it's only the additional overlay, the max pass using your your cell phone to book them that cost you money. So there still is the egalitarian aspect at Disneyland as well.
0: Yeah, all I know is that uh, <laughs> Disney World and Disneyland, all the Disney's really just continue to become more and more complicated. You know, you got to get that PH Disney, as we've said.
1: Well, more opportunities for us, Joe.
0: Yes, keeping us in business, keeping us keeping us in business. All right, so let's Thanks. get out of here with a quick Disney do or don't. I think we've said something similar before. So I, I just would want to go off what we said about the ticket prices. I would say that if you already have your trip planned for 2019, uh, sometime between now and the end of 2019, don't feel the need to rush to buy your tickets yet. You know, in general, I don't like to buy my tickets until like I'm like really sure. That I'm going. And so, like I said before, you know, if you're not going, if you're going before August, you definitely can wait, you know, save your money, leave it in your bank account, earn that 0.3% interest or whatever you're getting these days. That's what I would say. I would also say a Disney do if for some reason I'm always paranoid about this, about buying a Disney ticket and then something happening and not getting to go on the trip. Um, So, for a Disney do, I would say do remember that once you've bought a Disney ticket, that value kind of is retained forever. You might have to go to guest services when you get to Orlando um, to retain that value. But I'll give an example. I had a after 5 p.m. convention ticket that I bought in 2017 and it expired on December 31st of 2018. And so on my last trip to Disney, I took that to guest services and they gave me kind of like a card and there's a note on my MDE account. They actually gave me a one-day ticket that I can use at any time. So you kind of never lose the value once you pay for your tickets. The expiration dates just mean that you're going to have to go to guest services. So that's my uh, Disney do and don't ticket-wise for today. Great tip, Joe. All right. So thanks so much, Leslie. Uh, That is the news for Q1 2019. I'm sure some amazing breaking news will happen the moment that we hit stop on the recording button. But other than that, Leslie, I will uh, see you at Star Wars Galaxy Edge.
1: Thanks, Joe.